Folks, before we start this AFC West uh, Primer episode, I just want to continue with the message that we've been sharing on recent episodes and say a continual thanks to all the workers on the front line, particularly to all the doctors and nurses, you know, everybody working with the fantastic NHS in the UK, our teachers who are still out there teaching students, all the shop workers, grocery store you know, workers, delivery drivers, just everybody out there who's still working, putting their own lives at risk to serve the needs of the greater community. It's a very testing time for people all around the world. And on behalf of everybody at the Fumble Recovery Fantasy Football Podcast, I just want to say continual thanks uh, to everybody who is uh, making sacrifices for the community. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, welcome to episode 7 of the Fumble Recovery Fantasy Football Podcast, where we'll continue breaking down the individual teams and divisions in the lead up to the NFL draft. This division is one that's very close to my heart. It is the AFC West, it's where my beloved Broncos play. So, certainly looking forward to breaking down the Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, and Chargers. Uh, before we do get started, just wanted to give a shout out to Regular Gonzalez for the song Chains which is the intro music on the podcast. Also, shout out to Natasha, wife of Chiggs, who's uh, allowed Chiggs a lot of time, despite being newlyweds, to to support and working on this podcast, not least at the moment while we're recording these divisional episodes that are taking a lot of time and uh, a lot of effort uh, as a group. And finally, to the NFL lads, who's just a great community of American football fans, great bunch of guys, um, you know, based out of the UK, uh, got over 30,000 followers on Facebook and loads of giveaways, loads of uh, funny posts, loads of community type things posted on there. So yeah, check out the NFL lads on Facebook and on Instagram. Thank you. Enjoy the episode. Okay, next up in the AFC West, a team very close to my heart. Uh, It is the Denver Broncos. It is the team that I support over and above everyone else. And um we have our first returning guest, so welcome back, uh, Brian or Buck. Buck, how are you doing? Two time, two time returning guest. I'm very you well. You are indeed. <laughs> I'm very well. How are you? I'm I'm keeping well, thanks. Um, you know, it's a unique situation uh, for all of us, but um, keeping well, thanks. And yeah, Mo, absolutely. how are you doing? Not too bad. Uh, just the usual. So before we get into the Broncos, which you know um, I could talk for hours and hours about, uh, Buck, you did send in a question into the mailbag. Oh. So um, I, I know you were looking for some advice here. So Mo, I'm going to read you through the question and let let's let's see how we feel about um, both of the you know about the question that uh, Buck has um, posed here. So he's saying uh, I'm here in a situation in a 12-team two-man keeper league. Uh, that's en- about to enter its seventh season. So I took over a team last season uh, and trying to make a splash to win the whole thing, uh, traded away some of my future assets, but ended up losing in the semifinals by, ouch, 0.4 points, ouch, due to a Julian Edelman goose egg. Um, so here I am now, having traded away some of my future picks, 
Um, the first pick I have is actually in the fifth. Uh, you've kept Chris Godwin in the fourth round and Philip Lindsay in the 15th, which is tremendous value. Uh, but now the fun part. Here are my picks. Basically looking for advice as to how to go. So I'll just outline what Buck's dealing with. So fourth round keeper is Chris Godwin. You've then got five, six, seven, two picks in the eighth, 10, 11, you've got two picks, and then down to 15, where you've also got two picks in the 15th, but one of your keepers is Philip Lindsay. So I guess you, you traded away the farm to try and win the ship. Didn't quite work out, but um, it's a situation I'm familiar with. I did something similar in one of my dynasty leagues where I ended up losing in the final. So, um, Mo, if, if you were in that situation where you've got two keepers in Godwin in the fourth and Phil Lindsay in the 15th, your first picks in the fifth, how would you tackle this in a keeper league? Oh, well, I mean, it'd be nice to know more information as to what players, what other players people are keeping or what positions at least. Um, I've always seen a scarcity in running backs and that's who I would normally target. However, if you're, I mean, if you don't have a first, second or third round, I presume they're going to go pretty quickly there. Um, it's, I mean, again, it's, it's difficult to say there's no particular name I can give you to target. I've always been, uh, I've always, I've always drafted heavy, uh, heavy running back or early on. However, I don't think you're going to be able to apply that strategy here. Cause I believe most people are going to keep their running backs. And I would, I mean, I would I, probably have to take more of a, like a, a kind of a, a left field approach to this and kind of go maybe almost like tight end maybe grab some heavy tight ends early or even, you know, and then, I mean, definitely you have to go wide receivers and you're going to kind of have to hope, uh, you know, you get a couple, a uh, couple decent uh, running backs later, later in the rounds. Again, I mean, it'd be nice to know what other people are holding or keeping at this point or what positions at the very least, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to presume it's heavy back. It's all, most of the running backs are going to be taken by the time it comes to you in the fifth round. And I think you, you may just have to focus on tight end and running backs at this point. Yeah, and I partially agree with you there. I think tight ends and running backs is generally, particularly in a one QB league, that's the positions or those are the positions where there's a scarcity, you know, in terms of the good quality ones. Now, what I would say is in keeping Godwin as a fourth rounder, you've already got a couple around freebies there. You know, he's, I think, a second rounder in 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 most drafts, uh, you know, unless it's a standard scoring league, which I don't really play in. I think in Godwin, you've already got a good discount by keeping him in the fourth. And I also think in Lindsay in the 15th, you've got a massive discount there because he's a player, even in spite of bringing in Gordon, will probably go in like round eight, round nine. So I think the fact you've got him in the 15th. Now, I, I, I know just looking at it, it might seem quite daunting a- approaching this. But here's where I think, Buck, you can use your dynasty knowledge and be ahead of the field. Because what you could do is, as well as taking potentially like a tight end, like an Evan Ingram, for example, in the fifth, you know, I said, we don't know your keepers. Uh, You could also target some of those rookie running backs who you may need to wait four to six weeks before they get their opportunity. But I know there's a lot of focus on receiver in this class, but you know, uh, Mo will back me up here. When you look at some of the running backs that are coming through college this year, you've got J.K. Dobbins, you've got DeAndre Swift, you've got Jonathan Taylor, uh, you've also got the likes of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you've got Cam Akers. 
So depending on where they land, I think you could almost take advantage of your dynasty knowledge and take some of those running backs early who may, you know, you may have to start one and three in the first four games. But once they get their opportunity, you've seen with the likes of, you know, Kareem Hunt in the past or even Philip Lindsay at the Broncos, there's a lot of examples of these young running backs who get their opportunity and do out, uh, you know, they take over from the veteran who's not quite there anymore. So if I was in your situation, I'd try and leverage on my dynasty knowledge and see if there are those potential starters, not right week 12, week 13 onwards, but those who you think can really take over from about week four, week five. So that's how I'd tackle it. You, yeah. it, is, it is going to be tough because you know there's no chance yeah. in hell you're getting a DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Saquon <laughs> Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. You're just not going to get those players and you're going to come up against those players. So the only way you're going to potentially outsmart your opponents is by taking advantage of knowledge that you have that they don't have. That, that's, that would be my approach to this, you know, and um, it could pay off or it could not, but can't fault somebody for taking a shot at winning the ship. I, uh, you know, I respect that. No, no, you're, ab- you're absolutely right. I didn't even think about that. The, I think the rookie running backs would be the first, the first class I would target and then maybe go down to tight ends or who are the best players available, certain other skill positions. And then and I think I think it might be even wise to get some of those rookie wide receivers who I don't think anyone's going to draft till after maybe 10 or 11 rounds. Uh, some some of those top elite rookie wide receivers you might be able to get later on. And those could be your next, you know, looking future onwards. They could be your future, you know, keepers. I'm not sure how the keeping uh, rules apply there. But, uh, you know, you know, you, you know, say you got a I mean. So you got last last year's Metcalfs. When when was his standard? When was he being drafted last year? Maybe AJ Brown and Metcalf were like maybe tenth, eleventh round. They're probably going top five rounds this year. Yeah. Just got to ask, hey. Buck. What, what what's the scoring settings in those leagues? Is it a PPR? Is it standard? Is it zero point five PPR? What we're we playing with here? Still standard at the minute. It's a very sort of customized league that's like as I said, it's been going on for quite a while now. Um, and it just kind of expanded, so we do have quite a customized scoring system, but we don't operate on the uh, on the PPR, so it does make it a bit more sort of difficult in accruing points and players. But <clears throat> as you say, I went I went for it. <laughs> I thought I was going to go in, give it my best shot. Um, there's a lot of banter around it initially. You know, uh, I think rookies had won three of the four championships, and people have came over and overtaken franchises so I went for it I went big it didn't pay off Julian Edelman will not be discussing that any further <laughs> and then, <laughs> but it was difficult it was the last year it was do I go Lindsay or did I go Edelman at flex uh, and my, my head overruled my heart and if only my heart had gone then there we go I would have been in I would have been absolutely tanked in the final because the gentleman who took the title would absolutely run away with it there was not a chance I would have won but it would have been nice to make the final in the first year yeah of course and look end of the day um you know it, it you don't always get a chance to get your name on the trophy and and my view is if you can win once in 12 years then you've achieved the bare minimum in terms of what your uh you know your outlay is financially but if you can win twice in 12 years, that means you've won one that somebody else should have, you know, if you were to distribute equally. So I can't ever fault somebody who makes the moves to try and win the ship. Um, and I've made aggressive moves like that. 
doesn't always pan out, but uh, that's why we play fantasy. You know, you want to you wanna be aggressive, and I like that. I like what you tried to do there. Just a shame it didn't work out. It's going to be a, an interesting season riding the wave of wire. Yeah. <laughs> bring it on. Big shout out to the Blitzball boys. Let's go for it this season. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we are here to talk about the Broncos. Um, you know, a cl- team very close to my heart. It's the team that I support. Um, so, Mark, let's hear it. How did you get to supporting the Broncos? <laughs> I, did men- I did mention this to you, obviously, um, when you mentioned what was happening. Um, so, I've not been a, a fan of American football for a very long time. Um, probably 2017, it was a Super Bowl of 2017, it was when I first really got into it. So, that would have been the Patriots and the Falcons, but let's not talk anymore about that one. We don't want to upset anybody. Um, and it was a case of a friend of mine who is a Seahawks fan, big Seahawks fan, colleague of mine. He kind of said, you know, come over, we're going to have some beers, we're going to watch this. I'd seen a little bit of it when I was younger, never really sort of like took me fancy. Very much like yourself, Amir, when I saw the um, Quiet Sunday's documentary, your background was, you know, you were more rugby oriented and it was kind of something that was a little bit taboo. You didn't really get interested in it. Um, so he said, come over, we'll, you know, we'll have a few beers, we'll have a bit of a laugh. And I did, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I thought, you know, if I want to do this properly, I'm going to have to have a team. <laughs> so... Um, we wrote all, all 32 teams in a, hat, in a hat, bits of paper in, and up came the Denver Broncos. And since then, that was it. They were my team. Hey, as I've said a few times on this podcast, everybody has a story, right? Every, everyone has a story, um, as, as do I with the Broncos. So let, let's look at free agency. I mean, it's no secret that we are a team that is prioritizes the defense. And, you know, we do have, I think many would regard as a defensive guru in Vic Fangio as the head coach. So just just looking at free agency, I'll talk through some of the big moves we made. I mean, we, you know, we um, kept, exercised the option on Todd Davis, who I think had a bit of a breakout year last year. Um, Tendering Justin Simmons was huge because at free safety, he was uh, uh, really a, a top. I think top five safety in the league uh, last yeah. year. And I think he should have made the all pro team personally. Um, you know, we've kept, uh, sorry, traded for AJ Boye, who we did give up a fourth for, but in losing Harris, I absolutely love that pick. Uh, AJ Boye reminds me of the, the times when the Jags, you know, almost made the playoffs and he was an um, excellent player. We did lose a few players. We did trade away Janovich, uh, but I think that's more in, keeping with a change of scheme with Pat Sherman now as the OC. Uh, we did, of course, lose, um, uh, you know, our guard, but we did uh, did sign Graham Glasgow uh, at the guard position, who I think actually is better for a, um, better for a uh, pass, uh, sorry, um, but better for the quarterback. And I think he'll give Drew Locke more time. Uh, some of the other big ones, of course, uh, I mean, lost the uh, kept, sorry, uh, Brandon McManus as the kicker. He's been fairly reliable. Um, yeah. yeah, we signed a backup QB in Jeff Driscoll and released Joe Flacco. I think that was going to happen. Uh, but from a fantasy perspective, the the big one was obviously signing. Oh, sorry, I do have to say keeping Shelby Harris at, you know, under three and a half million dollars. 
I thought was a steal. I, I thought Shelby Harris would be somebody who's going to leave in free agency and sign for $10 million a season or something. So when I saw we kept him for so cheap, I was absolutely ecstatic at that because he, he was fantastic, even you yeah. know before Fangio, but under Fangio especially. Um, so the big one from a fantasy perspective, obviously, was Melvin Gordon. Uh, we did touch on it, touch on it on your last appearance, but with with having had a few weeks to absorb things, how are you feeling about the Gordon signing and just generally free agency? What are your thoughts? Well, I think free agency either side of the ball, we can't really be too disappointed, and we've got to look at the positives that we've brought in rather than those that we haven't. As you obviously already mentioned, Flacco was gone from QB. And it didn't work for him, which was just unfortunate. You know, he, he's, he was a great player in his time. But obviously, the development of Locke is where we want to be. With Melvin Gordon, yeah, we spoke about it last time. We debated, was it needed? Was it a luxury? But the more you think about it, the more really, yes, from a fantasy point of view, it's not ideal if you're going to be, you know, backing Philip Lindsay to be number one running back and, you know, the man you want to get your points on the board. But if you look at it from purely fans' point of view, to have someone like Melvin Gordon on your team is always going to create excitement, isn't he, really? He's always going to provide those options. Yeah, he didn't have the greatest year the last second year in the Chargers, following the holdout, but I do think that he'll have a re- I do think he could have a really good season, and I think he could work well in that offence. Yeah, I know sometimes as fans, we can look at things through rose-tinted spectacles, so Mo, I'd really like your views here what what do you feel about gordon being at the broncos i you know from a let's say from a a a redraft perspective and b from a dynasty perspective um i was i was totally shocked by that move honestly i i thought i thought with philip rinsey and i and i I presume royce freeman was going to be your future that combination that one-two punch uh melvin gordon coming in literally through a monkey wrench and any 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 backfield asset I would own on on the Denver Broncos. I don't think I would draft Melvin Gordon in any dynasty or um, standard formats, honestly. Because um, I'm I, it's, I think it's the more or less the uncertainty, and I think all three. I mean, I, for sure, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay will be probably drafted earlier rounds at an earlier um, ADP, and I, I personally would probably stay away from both. Um, Royce Freeman might be a decent flyer. I mean, he may not even get drafted. Um, in in standard leagues and in a uh, dynasty league, you maybe would get him very very late. Uh, so he might be one flyer I would maybe throw out. But as for maybe drafting Melvin Gordon, Lindsey, I personally would stay away. Um, if I was going to pick one out of the two, I would probably go towards Melvin Gordon. But again, the uncertainty just scares me. I'm, I have I'm, I, I have no idea how they're going to share that backfield load. I don't know when. Um, I'm not very familiar with the offensive scheme there. I'm not sure what type of plays I'd be running. Uh, Philip Rinzi, maybe more of the the the, the receiving running back. Um, so, but again, uh, uh, for on a, on a fantasy standpoint, uh, based on their ADP, I would just stay away from Melvin Gordon and Philip Rinzi. Okay, so here's a question then, Mo. You're you're in a dynasty startup, and both players. You know, there's many managers with a similar mindset to yours. You're in, let's say, back end of the sixth or the seventh round. Would you take Gordon or Lindsay, or would you rather take a younger prospect, you know, who might be sort of second 
choice at their respective team because one of these guys is the start is is the starter right so yes. what, what's your thinking if if they fall as far as say let's start at the seventh what's your thinking then who are you um, taking oh then i think it's no brainer to take melvin gordon i i think melvin gordon has, has established himself has proved himself i think he's got the durability um he 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 is he is the older prospect i've never thought Lindsay. i never thought Lindsay could be a bell cow um running back and uh on that team and that's why i thought i think royce and him could have been a very uh, could have been a very ideal um ideal combination but i i I never i never saw him as an elite true back um and uh i I think melvin gordon is that is is that player uh and now yeah i think if you get him in the sixth or seventh i think it's a no-brainer i think you should take melvin gordon i personally would be staying away from felt Lindsay in that in that case i mean i i think uh, I mean, when I would stay away from Lindsay altogether, because I would presume he'd be he'd be probably drafted around the same area, maybe seventh, eighth, ninth rounds, if he did fall that low. See, I think you saw that a bit with Lindsay last season, especially in games. I believe it was the Chiefs game when he did have to run that sort of bell cow offense when it was just purely on the ground, on the ground, you know, a run after run after run, and he did start to struggle. I do think you're right with regards to the durability and the fact that Gordon would probably bring give you that bit extra. But again, as Amir said, potentially run Lindsay out is to you know passing back now could definitely improve his game more so than having him relied on that sort of like intensive, hard hitting running offense. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, I think Gordon does edge it in both redraft. Uh, and dynasty particularly in redraft i think he's probably a couple of rounds ahead of Lindsay. but uh you know going back to what buck's done keeping yeah. Lindsay in the 15th i don't think you can go wrong you know with keeping a player who has had thousand yards in his rookie season rushing um as the as your very last pick essentially of the draft in in a keeper league um so buck you know i mean broncos last season things weren't great you know, if you look at where we were at the end of November, we were actually, uh, what, three and eight at the time. Uh, and then, as as is now uh, anointed by the fans, we had Drew Semba, where Drew Locke came in for the final five games. And we won four, lost one. The one loss was that ill-weathered game against the Chiefs. Uh, but, you know, Locke came in and things looked quite good. And that's why we eventually moved from being a potential top five, top six pick to now pick 15. Uh, and then yeah, I think with the roulette, we do then move to 14th in round two, 13th in round three and 12th in round four. So what what are your thoughts on um, what the Broncos will do and should do with that pick, uh, particularly the first three rounds, let's say? What do you think the big needs are? Well, you're right. I think obviously now, obviously now, Locke's kind of cemented himself in there, and obviously created that that sort of relationship that he had with the likes of Sutton and Fund. Um, I do think this really that you continue to build on that this season would be great, but perfect for him. I really, really think we absolutely need a speed to wide receiver, and obviously sitting 15th, we're in a position where we could pick up someone like you know Henry Ruggs, someone like that. You know, we're probably if we stay where we are, going to miss out on the likes of um, Lamb and people like that. You know, CD Lamb. Um, I can't remember which one of your co-hosts is the um, the big fan of CD Lamb. 
but I'm absolutely 100% in agreement with that. I would personally trade up to see if we can get hold of them. Um, maybe the Jags sitting the tenth on the tenth pick. Is that right? Or even our good friends. Uh, nine. Panthers. Jags are at nine. Yeah. Or even our good friends, the Panthers, who I believe we have a um, representative kicking around who have some interest on that. But I do think that we need to aim for that wide receiver. Since, obviously, Sanders left, um, he hadn't created that other option. Um, Hamilton, he is shown in fits and starts. Really, he's not that reliable wide receiver too out there that you want. I do think if we go for one of those elite wide receivers, it would be the way forward. Well, it's interesting on Hamilton because uh, if I remember correctly, I think he is the all-time Penn State receiving record as a as a receiver. But he is a very classical sort of slot receiver. I think Mo, you're a fan of Hamilton, aren't you? Even <laughs> have uh, him in in a league of us. What what are your thoughts on Hamilton going into this season? Um, I, I would say I'm a fan just just through pure necessity because I have him uh, on my team. Um. <laughs> Uh, I honestly, uh, I, I don't know where he disappeared last year. Uh, he had a great uh, end of like the that last quarter of the first season. I thought, I thought, you know, he, him, him and Patrick were competing and put up some decent numbers and he just altogether disappeared. Um, and maybe cause Sanders was there uh, starting off and maybe, you know, in, in, in during, during training camp and whatnot. But um, I was actually going to ask you guys actually that same question. Um, I'm not very familiar with the Denver Broncos and I was actually going to get your opinion. Do you think, um, what is Hamilton's value, or even for that matter, Patrick's? Um, do you see any of them becoming like the number two, number three, and say if they don't draft a wide receiver in the first round? Um, it, it's a good question. Uh, you know, I think Sutton is the the guy. He's uh, the number one. I think he's demonstrated just just his ability um, as a great uh, great receiver. Tim Patrick is a bit of a, again, he's a big-bodied guy, so I don't see him as a starting receiver. I see him as a sort of a change-up receiver. Hamilton's an interesting one because he comes with a lot of college pedigree, but then again, he's a smaller guy, and, you know, it, we did draft him in, like, the fourth round. So for somebody who has the receiving record of a big school like Penn State, um, it's not like he went in the first two or three rounds. He was a fourth rounder. I, I do see some upside to Hamilton this season. But as Buck was saying, I think if if he falls to us, and if you look at, I'd say, 90% of mock drafts, they do have us drafting Henry Ruggs. But my worry is, having done a few of these podcasts, is you look at the Jets at 11, you look at the Raiders at 12, you look at the 49ers at 13, you look at us at 15, um, you know, potentially even the Dolphins at 18, um, and then, you know, you could say the Jags, but they have many needs, the Eagles at 21. There's a lot of teams who could snipers for what I think our need is, which is that speedster. And there's not many of them around. I know we have Deontay Spencer who's very quick, but he is more of a punt returner and a kickoff specialist. I don't think Deontay Spencer is the sort of player. I mean, he's very popular, very, very popular amongst the Broncos fans just because of what he can do on those kickoffs and get you those extra 20, 30, sometimes even 40, 50 yards, you know, or a touchdown, dare I say. But I don't think you can rely on him 
similarly to how when we had Isaiah McKenzie, don't think you can rely on him, you know, in your offensive scheme. So I think if Ruggs falls to us at 15, it's a no-brainer. Uh, as much as we need other positions like offensive tackle or, a, uh, you know, upgrading the O-line, uh, I think Garrett Bowles, who was a previous first-rounder, is on a short lease. Uh, short leash, I should say. Uh, just too many, um, too many penalties there. Too many mistakes. Um, so I think Garrett Bolds is a goner uh, soon. But yeah, um, you know, going back to the fantasy perspective, if Rugs is there at fifteen, I definitely want us to take him. My worry is that with so many teams in the market for receiver, somebody like a Rugs is going to go before we even get the chance to take him. And I don't think we're in a position to win now, particularly being in the same division as the Chiefs, that we can afford to trade up and give away a, a potential future first or, or potentially our second to make that move up to as high as, let's say, you know, your pick, Mo, at the seven. Uh, I don't think it's worth us doing that to get um, rugs uh, when... You know, we do have a Cortland Sutton. So as much as I like C.D. Lamb, I don't think he's the missing piece because I think we have Sutton, who's a proven commodity as that big-bodied, contested catch receiver. And with Hamilton, I'd hope this is his breakout year that we don't need to really invest in the, you know, move up to get somebody like a Jerry Judy, who may be one of Alabama's best-ever receivers, but at the same time, do we want to give up a lot of draft capital to trade up for that elite route runner? I wouldn't as a Broncos fan. Um, so that's, that's just my take. You know, there's probably fans with different views to mine, but I think we stay where we are. And if we lose out on a lot of players, maybe even trade down. Uh, but, you know, the, the, we're linked with the uh, offensive tackle at uh, 15, which wouldn't be a bad move. Give Drew Lock more time, more protection, uh, you know, time to survey the field. Uh, that added to the Graham Glasgow um, move in free agency. I think this is the season now to really protect Drew Locke and stop him having some of those experiences that quarterbacks like Sam Donald had, you know, where he said <laughs> he's seen ghosts. ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I know I, I know I've spoken for a while there. It's quite long-winded, but just, just to think... Uh, if we can get rugs, it's a bit of a no-brainer just because he's a sub-4-3 runner. Um, and again, very productive in the Alabama scheme. But if we miss out on rugs, I don't want don't to see us making drastic moves when I don't think we can quite take over the Chiefs just yet. Hey, you never know. I mean, I've, I've seen, I think I've seen some mock drafts. I've, I believe I've seen rugs fall down to the Eagles. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I've seen that. That would be wishful thinking, I think, more than anything. But according to what you said to me, I, I agree with partially what you're saying. <laughs> but I do think that maybe now, I mean, this season is going to be, it's not going to be a breakout season. I don't think we're going to push very hard. You know what you say? You know, the Chiefs are still sitting there high and mighty. My opinion, personally, we push, we get rugs in. If we do have to trade off, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go drastic in regards to bringing in. But maybe put him away a little bit of capital, as much as we could afford, potentially bring him in, build that relationship. Locks obviously now second season, injured for a bit of the first, obviously now get a full season under his belt, improve that relationship. Him, Sutton, Fant, which looks brilliant, especially him and Sutton, and have 
friends, colleagues who are saying, you know, coming up to Sutton's a baller, this is going to be his season, absolutely. But if him and Locke can build, and like I said, and no offense, and I just think that the relationship that they built last season, you could just see between Drew Locke and Noah Fant, the understanding is there. They're obviously working very hard together. If we can build that, potentially bring in, you know, ideally CD Lamb, but obviously it's probably not going to be likely, bring in someone like Henry Lugs, that speedster, who can get that distance down. We saw Locke when he was in, he was in Missouri, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, so obviously you saw the, this tape of he. He, he's not always one for a deep ball, but certainly he can get them out there, and he's very precise in regards to that. Obviously, last season when he came in, there was a lot of handoffs, short players, young quarterback just coming into the system. But I really think that Henry Ruggs can bring out that side of him, which could make us, not this year, like I said, but potentially next year, following next year's draft, see who we end up bringing in, potentially bring us up to the next level to start challenging towards the Chiefs. Yeah, and I think, you know, this is a key draft for us and looking at next year because we have got some big free agent signings from last season as well. In uh, Juwan James was injured most of the season at tackle. So um, if we can have faith in him staying fit, then that would be big. I know we lost uh, Chris Harris at corner, but we've got uh, Bryce Callahan again another player who missed a lot of time last season. We brought Jarrell Casey in. Okay, he's got a big contract, but... Very, very good defensive tackle at the Titans. Uh, and it's no secret our team is going to be built on defense. And look, you know, pick number five from a few seasons ago, Bradley Chubb, missed a lot of last season. So uh, I, I know, Buck, me and you are both huge fans of Bradley Chubb. And, Chubb, um, Chubb's Chubb's yeah, so, you know, to just get him back. And then even though he was out, the likes of Jeremy Atashu played well last season. Um, so... I, I am excited. I just don't think that any team in our division's got enough to uproot the Chiefs, not with what they've got going at the moment. No, they are no. Super Bowl champions for a reason. And and yeah, they, they overcame deficits, but you don't win a Super Bowl by too. Fluke, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um so Absolutely. it's interesting. It's gonna, it's gonna be a barren couple of years. <laughs> yeah, but with with the Chargers losing uh Rivers and with the Raiders QB situation uh, being fairly uncertain, I do think we can finish second in the division. And with that comes the possibility of getting a playoff spot. You know, yeah. so I wouldn't yeah. rule it out. We weren't too far off last season, particularly after Drew Locke came in. But yeah. I, I don't like to wear rose-tinted spectacles. And, you know, I'm not a sort of a blind fan. I know a lot of hard work is ahead. But... I do feel that Fangio is a perfect coach for the sort of DNA that we have at the moment as well. So I hope he can Absolutely. continue to hone that. And I think you're right. I do, you know, as you said, there obviously is a chance of that, you know, sneaking into the playoffs that way. Um, and we showed it again last year. I mean, sitting after the first four games of last season, it didn't look very good at all, did it? Um, so I think you're right. You know, it is. It is. It's a nice sort of rebuilding season or two. I mean, not in the sort of traditional sense, but in the way of, you know, bringing the new system in, new head coach, and watching it build nicely, you know, not, you know, living down there in the bottom, you know, looking at first, second, third, fourth picks in the drafts, but actually, you know, watching the team develop and getting those games. So I'm on the same result. I'm very excited for this season. It'll be good to see the Broncos play some good football. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen, do you? 
no, looking forward to seeing how our offense is under Carl Shermer as well. You know, very um, very well known name in the game as well. Um, I, I did think Scangarello did get things right towards the end, but there was that inexperience. So let's see how we do with um, Carl Shermer. And you know, with the uh, trade of Janovic, obviously going to be a big change to the way we run the ball. I think we're going to stop that power run scheme. There's going to be a few more trick plays, a few more screen passes that kind of thing. And, you know, talking about fantasy, I think that's where the likes of Lindsay and Gordon can certainly have values on those play action and screen plays and, um, and uh, those sort of trick plays as well. Okay, excellent. Well, Buck, you know, thanks for joining us again. You, you have the honor of being our first two-time guest. Uh, and I hope this is the second of many. So we look forward to having you on again, uh, post-draft or during the season. Um, me and you big Broncos fans. So, you know, uh, Broncos country in full force here and uh, go Broncos. You know, let's hope we have a good season ahead. Absolutely. Let's get those fingers crossed that all of this madness in the world can get under control in time for that big game against the Falcons in London. Me and you in the stands, a couple of beers. Oh, yeah, that would be awesome. I'd love to watch them in London. That would be Brilliant. fantastic. Well, Buck, thanks for joining uh, and look forward to having you on again soon. Take care, brother. My pleasure. Let's bring on that hat trick ball. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Buck. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Cheers, guys. Okay, so next up with the AFC West, we have a very special guest, uh, somebody who actually works for the Kansas City Chiefs. So representing the Chiefs, we have uh, Katie Kemra. Katie, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Very well, thanks. Very well. Appreciate you joining. Um, and we also appreciate that there's certain things you won't be able to talk about in terms of <laughs> players in the draft, but we still appreciate your inputs. Um, so, Katie, uh, what, what, you know, give us an overview of what you do with the Chiefs, uh, what kind of work you do either in the off-season through the season. Yeah, so um, I'm an executive coordinator. Um, my job kind of entails a little bit of everything. Every day is different. Obviously, in-season is different, but most of it is um, large-scale event planning and travel logistics for our executive team. Um, So I work with them day-to-day, getting stuff ready for league meetings, getting stuff ready for committee meetings, games, when we're in-season, just helping them put all their travel logistics together for them, their families, helping with um, our team ops coordinator to get everything set for the team charters. Um, and then also kind of serving as an event or project coordinator. Um, so large scale league wide events, draft, Super Bowl, um, those kind of events. And then also anything the league is starting to initiate. Um, I'll help our president and executive kind of get the ball rolling in our organization, whether um, it's Super Bowl rings, which is kind of my main project right now, or um, some other stuff I can't really talk about, but exciting stuff coming up through the league uh, I kind of spearhead that get it started and then roll with the rest of the process you must have got a little bit of stick when uh, the gear ended up in New York last year right yeah so <laughs> I um <laughs> so I don't travel with the team but um those stories from that day and just all the work our equipment staff did and our team ops coordinator did to get the stuff there and reaching out to high school teams and reaching out to our contacts um, at Riddell for finding helmets. And um, it was really a team effort to get the stuff there in time. It shows the credit of never giving up with our organization. And, 
you know, pulled out a win in New England that night anyway. So uh, that was when I saw the alerts coming through on Twitter and my phone that they did not have the equipment. I was like, how does that even happen? But, you know, it's we have the best in the biz when it comes to getting equipment to where it needs to be. So um, they figured it out, found it and got it to New England in time. That, that was all Belichick's doing. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, she's an official representative here. <laughs> No, so it's no secret, and as much as it pains me to say it as a Broncos fan, you did win the Super Bowl, and I know you touched on the Super Bowl um, when you're giving an update. Uh, so were you at the Super Bowl? What was your involvement? Was it quite busy for you? I was, yeah. Um, I would say the two weeks between the AFC Championship and Super Bowl were probably two of the busiest of my life. Um, it's You do as much prep as you can in advance for, okay, if we win, what are we going to do? Who's going to do what? kind of it's in the back of your mind but you also don't want to work so far ahead and then not end up going um so the day after the championship game was kind of like a lull where it was okay they're making the final decisions of who's doing what and it was eerily calm and then that next day it was all speed ahead um and just putting together all the travel logistics for our executive team the wives um one thing is the team went down a week ahead of time. So I didn't go down with them, but our executives were down there. Their significant others were down there. So getting cars in place to take them where they need to go, making sure their hotels are set for them, for their families, for any guests they had coming in. Um, another big thing is parties. Obviously, Super Bowl weekend, there's a million parties that go on. So helping everyone make sure they have the right credentials to get into the right parties and that um, they had an invite to the party they wanted to be to making sure they all lined up with their schedule and um, team and league uh, requirements that they had to be at. So a lot of it was just the logistics of kind of Super Bowl week and here's everything that goes on, make sure they're there on time. Um, but then another big part of it was um, we had events for the friends and family of the players and also any staff that went down. And prior to the game, we had a tailgate. Um, it was roughly 3000 people and, just kind of getting in the spirit of Chiefs Kingdom and brought our rumble, which is our drumline and cheerleaders and Casey Wolf and DJ and basically turned Kansas city into a Miami themed party. Um, so we had that prior to the game and kind of orchestrated that entire event. And then we had kickoff um, and probably four hours of just straight nerves. I was with my dad and like, there was one point I was like, my hands are visibly shaking. My heart rate is like 190. I'm not okay. <laughs> but you know, we, got through it we won the game um and then we had a post-game party that was so much fun and got absolutely no sleep but it was so fun and so worth it <laughs> amazing so um i wish i knew you were doing that because chiggs and paul you're actually at super bowl in miami i'm sure you would have loved yeah. to get crash one of those parties yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> for sure. yeah i am um, john affleck from penn state he met up with them and he was telling me, and I was like, dang, I wish it wasn't working or I would totally crash it and come for high to them. But um was busy running around Miami getting some stuff set, so didn't have time. <laughs> yeah, Miami was crazy. It, it was like, it was probably the best sporting experience of my life. It was, <laughs> it was, it was so good. And I was rooting for the Chiefs. I'm a big uh, Jamal Charles fan. So, okay, um, yeah. you know, I was repping the jersey and stuff. And I was, uh, yeah, amazing comeback. You know, what, what a spectacle. Yeah. I was yeah, wearing my Patrick Mahomes top. Yeah, I love it. That six minutes, like seven minutes left, I kind of looked at my dad and it was like, most times I would be like, this game is over. But the way this playoff series and run had went, it was like, they're going to win it. This game is so far from over. And 
that turnaround, it was so exciting just to watch and be a part of it. And knowing that, you know, by February, your season's been going since the end of July. So all those months of work, it was so worth it. And we knew we didn't really have our full off season because we played through February, but I would take that over a normal off season any day. <laughs> was that the first Super Bowl? It was the second Super Bowl win. It was the third Super Bowl they played in. Okay. So um, they were in Super Bowl one, lost Super Bowl one, played in Super Bowl four, won Super Bowl four, and then this was their next one. Oh, nice. Uh, sorry, Paul. Sorry. So how the how is the, how is the training etc. going with COVID? How's the plans at the moment for the team going? Yeah, all of it's just kind of up in the air. Um, we don't really know too much either. I know higher levels know more than I do, but it's just kind of taking it all day by day as well. Um, and there's still rules in place where you can't communicate. Um, they're trying to keep everything as fair as possible, obviously. Um, and uh, there's some cities that are being hit harder than Kansas City might be, but you know, you want to keep the playing field level. So I know they're trying to work out how can we make this work? How can we make it happen? And I think right now the NFL is probably in the best situation just because we weren't in season. We're not in season. Um, and it's one of those things where I think they can figure out how to go back to old school roots where there maybe weren't May practices, there weren't June practices, and they still had a season. So um, it'll be interesting to see, though, how they make it all work. Yeah, and I suppose uh, at the moment it's probably relatively quiet for you, but it's getting to the busy season, particularly after the draft, I'd assume, with OTAs and everything. Yeah, that's typically um, April is when it tends to pick up. Um, we also normally have a lot of our off-season events, so galas, partnership events. Um, most of that's either been postponed or canceled for now. Just obviously you can't host it, and we don't know when our games are going to be, so you can't really plan anything for in-season yet. Um, so it's just kind of a waiting game right now of, okay, so we know we probably want to do this event, but when can we do it? And just waiting for that scheduled release and you know, get through the draft. And right now, I think it's just kind of like a take it week by week basis. You know, everything has changed so drastically week to week that you can't even make a long term decision at this point. No, understood. And um, it, I saw some pictures on social media and some videos, but talk us about the uh, open top bus parade experience. How was that for you? Yeah, that was a blast. Um, so, like I said, after Super Bowl, we stayed up the Chiefs threw a post-game party for us that was so much fun and you know the Hunt family is such a joy to work for but we get back Monday we're flying all day traveling getting back to Kansas City and you haven't really slept and then Tuesday going to work like it's a normal work day and you're like okay so we know we have a parade that is tomorrow like what are we gonna do for it? so it was like trying to finish out a work week and get everything set to go for the parade but um, it was exhausting and exhilarating at the same time. It's like the best way to describe it. We were up so early, um, tried to get all the logistics in line, making sure people were in the right space and the right bus. But the second we were on the bus and you started going through the city and just the fans were everywhere. And you could tell it had been a long 50 years since the Chiefs had won a Super Bowl and the joy in the city was just exuberant. And I mean, the weather that day was brutal. It was cold. It was windy. It was snowing. Like, Worst weather conditions you could have for a parade, and Chiefs fans were still out going crazy, losing their minds. So it was a blast. The buses were so fun. I wasn't on actually a double decker bus. I was on um, a military vehicle in the back, kind of on a trailer. But it was still a blast. The fans like were cheering for business staff and support staff, like we were Mahomes. So it's just the joy that the city has for um, just the organization as a whole is really special. 
that that sounds like a once in a life well hopefully it's once in a life <laughs> no, yeah. it sounds like an incredible again next year <laughs> sounds like an incredible experience and uh so we actually met when you were a student at Penn State so you were in London filming uh on a documentary that I only recently watched uh, called Quiet Sundays uh, do you want to talk us a little bit about the documentary how it came about uh, what your role was etc yeah so I was the director of the documentary um it was a class for Penn State and Every year, our sports journalism program tries to do some kind of creative project where you apply to be in the class. Um, it varies. They've covered the Rio Paralympics. Um, they've gone to Cuba to cover Penn State baseball playing there. And we were lucky enough to get to do the NFL in London. And the entire premise, our first meeting after the students were selected was, okay, we want to do a documentary about NFL fans in London, and that's all we have figured out. So we um, spent the summer just reaching out to NFL UK fan pages, um, random pages we could find on Facebook. Um, That's how we found our main character was we found his book and then reached out to him through his book's Facebook page um, and just messaged him. We're like, this is what we're looking to do. Do you want to be a part of it? So um, we spent 10 days in London over the 2017-18 season. Um, that's when we met the lads, obviously, and got to spend time with you guys, but, um, it was just a really cool experience. We went in thinking, okay, the fans of the NFL in Europe are weird and they're, or they're different. There's something different. Like they're the weirdos in their country, right? Why do they like American football? But it turned into one of those, yeah, (laughs) but it turned into one of those things when we were there, we're like, they're so normal to us, right? Like every conversation we had, it was the same conversation we would have in the United States about football, but they're, they're different. They're the lonely fan. They're the fan trying to find their identity through the sport. And um, so we had all this footage. We had the footage of the lads interacting with fans. We had Adam and Steph's story about traveling through um, Adam going to every single stadium in the United States and then breaking up and getting back together in this love story that they have. Duncan, who played football in um, Europe, but then was super lonely at the same time. And Joey, who watches football by himself, but still like basically paid a friend to go with him because he knew the most about football out of all his friends. So there's all these different stories we got to kind of tell and share. And um, a moment that I always sticks out in my mind was we, Patty and I, our um, editor, we had basically pulled an all nighter for our flight back to the States. And we were sitting there watching hours and hours we had so many hours of film and we were just like how are we going to tell their stories because they were all so different they like every story was so unique and different we're like how do they all relate and the final story came down to they're all so similar to us so it was telling the story of like they're not weird they're not different they're just like us this sport connects everyone around the world you know um it's such a unique sport in europe it's not it's popular, it's gaining traction, but it's still not the sport where in the United States it is the sport. So just showing that cross intercontinental ties and everything like that, it was a really unique experience just getting to see the NFL in Europe and in London and the way it's grown and the passions around it. I mean, our friendship is in the four hosts you know me chigs paul and mo it it grew Mm -hmm. out of american football i mean i'd known chigs for years playing soccer but we were never sort of close friends it was american football and in particular fantasy Mm -hmm. football that all brought us together and 
many other people at work as well. So you're right, it does bring, it creates friendships and uh, it's yeah. great. What was that, Paul? And hatred as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think what was special for us was out of all the students that went on this project, I knew one of them going into it. And by the end of it, now we're all super close. We're really good friends. We, we're all different ages. Um, Patty is still at Penn State. Jack and I have graduated almost two years ago now, which is crazy. But um, it's just this friendship that formed over telling a story about football. So even in the United States, there's all these friendships formed over football. And it was just getting to tell how all these stories in England and in London get formed because of football so it was just really cool to have that experience and now you know now we're all connected because of it and I'm always like yeah my London friend <laughs> I don't know when I'm ever going to go back but I have these friends in London and um, it's a really cool experience and I, it was a great great learning experience but also just great getting to see the love of the game at that level well you know when the Chiefs come to London you've got to make another another visit I hope so. I'm going to say, can I please go on that trip? <laughs> I know people. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we had uh, we had uh, Jack, you mentioned, uh, on our previous mm-hmm. episode representing the Dolphins. And he mentioned um, the Penn State evening games and in particular the whiteout game. So yeah. Yeah. I think we're all eager to go. But do you want to sell it even more, like make, make it so we have to go <laughs> rather than consider going? You have to go. It is, I have been to a majority of the Big Ten football schools, a few NFL stadiums now. I work for the loudest stadium in the world, and I'm telling you, Arrowhead is a great stadium. It is at my favorite NFL stadium, but a Penn State game is just, like, next level. I mean, really? oh. the ground shakes when you're on the field. Like, the bleachers shake every time there's a touchdown during a whiteout. It just, like... My favorite memory is still when we upset Ohio State when I was a junior in college and the ground just shaked and there there was seismic activity on the Richter scales because of the blocked field goal and like all this different stuff. There's all these stories that just get passed down about the whiteout and um, coaches say it's their least favorite game to play in. I mean, it's, it's like championship coaches are like, I do not want to play in the whiteout. Like it's just a recipe for disaster and I think it's just like should be on every football fan's bucket list to go. I mean, last year's game before kickoff even happened, Michigan had to call a timeout because it was so loud they could not get a playoff before the game <laughs> even started. Like it was unreal. It was shaking. <laughs> I think you think we'll think we're sold, definitely. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Let me know. I'm gonna try and go this year, hopefully. So yeah. Once it's announced. Yeah, that'll be a that'll be a great game to meet up at. Definitely. Yeah, it's definitely once in a lifetime experience, I think, to go to a Penn State whiteout. It's top of the list. Excellent. Ads, any further questions for Katie? I think you covered it for me. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> it was a really great. That's no, really insightful. Thank you. Thank you. Has ketchup become the number one condiment in Kansas City officially yet? or? <laughs> um, as long as it's hunt ketchup. <laughs> as long as it's hunt ketchup. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I had one one further thing to mention. So um, we, we were talking yesterday, and you mentioned, um, particularly when we're talking about the international series, you mentioned the Mahomes factor and the impact he's had. Do you want to just talk a little bit about that and the effect of having Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. So it's 
one of the things I think where Kansas City is obviously a small market team. Um, it's not your New York teams. It's not your LA teams. So it's a little harder to sell a brand that has a small market like that. Um, and, you know, when you go through years of hardship and years of losing seasons, it's also hard to build a brand internationally. And the Patriots for so long, you know, were this dominant organization. Tom Brady's jersey, I think, is still one of the top selling jerseys in China and Europe and all these different places. But um, since Mahomes kind of has taken off and he's a great role model, he's a great figure for our organization. He um, has this Mahomes effect, right, where everyone's talking about Mahomes, which means in hindsight, everyone's also talking about the Chiefs. Um, and we noticed just that our brand is starting to grow nationally with the Oakley deal he did um, and all these different deals that he's doing on a national scale with Adidas, um, that that brand is also starting to go international and his jersey sales are growing internationally. And um, one thing we took advantage of, you can kind of go back and look through some of our social media um, along the Super Bowl is we did an international um, kind of promotion where we had all these athletes around the world kind of sharing them wearing the Mahomes jersey. They were sent jerseys to wear. Um, they're just kind of supporting the Chiefs. And it's taking advantage of the success of the organization. But all the preparation for these projects came when you're in your leasing season. So, you know, it's always being prepared for that success to come is super important. Um, it's something we get told all the time, you know, it's okay to not have the best season this year, but be prepared for when the good times come. And I think we were at a really good point to just kind of launch off the success of the organization this year. Um, we're really excited to see the 2019 numbers, obviously, because we haven't seen those yet. We're going off last year's numbers. But, you know, if Mahomes Super Bowl win, you know, we're primed for that launch internationally now. And it's really exciting to kind of see where we come with those numbers, but just keeping the brand growing, obviously, nationally, but also internationally is something I look forward to. That's great. Hey, Katie, just want to say thanks for joining. Really appreciate the insights you've given into the work you've done, into the documentary. And um, if it, if there was any doubt, I think you've you've sold the whiteout game <laughs> to us beyond all reasonable doubt now. So good, it's not I'm a glad. matter of if, it's a, it's a matter of when. So good, um, good. Good luck to the Chiefs this season. And um, Thank you. I do mean that. <laughs> and um, yeah, <laughs> enjoy the off season while you can, because I'm sure it won't be long before you get really busy again. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, guys. Lovely. Thanks. Well, uh, to you Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks. Bye. Okay, gents. Um, so thanks to Katie for providing her insight on the uh, Chiefs. We're just going to give a fantasy breakdown, uh, conscious that Katie wasn't allowed to talk about players or draft strategy or anything. So um, Chiggs, I mean, Chiefs obviously won the Super Bowl, very high-powered offense. Where do you think their needs are uh, for that team? I mean, as you say, you know, very high-powered offense, you know, right up there with the most elite in the league. Uh, tight end Travis Kelsey, wide receiver Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes, obviously a quarterback. So that one kind of glaring need appears to be at running back, you know, where they sort of piece together um, Damien Williams, LaShawn McCoy, Darwin Thompson, uh, Darrell Williams last year, you know, all, all did well when they sort of played and had sort of opportunity. But I think if they put like an elite running back in there, you know, I think that'll just take them to another level. Yeah. And, um, 
I mean, the receiving core is fairly stacked as well, as you mentioned. So do you think they potentially draft a tight end as the long-term Kelsey replacement? I know we touched on before that, about That's what I was eight. thinking. I was thinking tight end is probably one of their big needs on offense. Um, I think Kelsey's he's, 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 he's aging, and to get a young tight end there behind him, Trino, learning from one, you know, one of the best tight ends in the league at the moment, I think that'd be a good idea. I think, you know, from a from a fantasy perspective, I don't think anyone that they're going to draft is going to be relevant, you know, probably in, in the near term. Um, you know, we, we look at this year's rookie class, it's not a great tight end class. There's a few guys in there, but, you know, I think whereas last year you would have said, you know, there's a couple of guys in there that they would have gone in first round of sort of rookie picks in um, tight end premium league. But, yeah, yeah, they probably will take a tight end somewhere. Um sort of be on the depth chart but i think yeah from a fantasy perspective yeah if they if they draft a running back in um the early rounds you know you could see that player rising up draft boards you know rookie rookie drafts so do any any of you think you'd take a kansas city running back in any fantasy uh, team i think you'd want to right you know the um the value they have in that offense you know damon williams if he could stay healthy you know, he um, he's shown what he can do with the numbers he's put up. It's just obviously that health issue. So if they do get a more durable back in there, I think I think you want a piece of that that offense, however you can get it. Yeah, the only problem I have is just the the, the number of back uh, running backs they have. So I think if I do draft one, it'd be later in the drafts for sure. I'd be thinking of him as a more of a backup running back, maybe a RB three, possibly in a flex position, and then hopefully you have upside. Like you said, I mean. If, if one of these guys turn out to be the guy um, on that offense, then yeah, I mean, that's he's probably going to be a RB1 or two. I mean, for me, if the Chiefs are taking somebody in the first two rounds of the rookie draft um, in a dynasty league, uh, I think that player elevates themselves into an almost automatic top three round pick, maybe, um, you know, a fourth round pick, uh, just with the draft capital invested. Whereas if they go for somebody in the third or even the fourth round, then there's less draft capital invested. So it probably goes down a little bit. As you say, the RB room is um, quite populated at the moment, but it's only really Damian Williams who you think is a viable fantasy producer. Um, There's been hype around Elijah Maguire in the past, never done anything. Mike Weber, you know, was at the Cowboys, but again, didn't really do anything. Darwin Thompson hasn't done much. So uh, I think a lot lot will depend on who they get and how much they invest in that player. I mean, Williams last year wasn't particularly good, really. I mean, from a fantasy perspective. No, and then he came to life in the playoffs. Yeah. He really came to life in the playoffs. Yeah, so, yeah, true. I mean, team won the Super Bowl, um, you know, very high scoring uh, offense so probably not much that they need but uh, I, I think that's all we really need to mention on the Chiefs uh, big focus on the running back potentially tight end but uh, for now uh, again thanks to Katie and um, we'll move on to the next team in the AFC West thank you thanks okay uh, so staying with the AFC West, uh, next up, we have the LA Chargers. And representing the Chargers, we have Imran. Imran, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Very well, thanks for joining. 
So Imran, how did you get to supporting the Chargers and how long have you been playing fantasy football for? Um, well, the Chargers goes back to 94, actually, back when we were actually quite good when we went to the Super Bowl. I went over to the States and my uncle lived in San Diego and took me to a game. And I didn't know anything about the game, but that's kind of like how my link to the Chargers sort of came about. And then when I actually started following the NFL, I obviously had that natural link to the Chargers. So um, so that was it. Um, with regards to fancy, I just randomly signed up. I think it was 2002. I signed up to a Yahoo fancy league and um, had no idea what I was doing. Somehow one, Ladanian Tomlinson carried me um, to the league. I think it was maybe 2004, actually. And uh, and ever since then, I've been in love with the game. So it's been a while. And you did start playing Dynasty, but we won't touch on that because yeah. one of our Best hosts may have beaten you in the final. <laughs> so um, this is a very unique situation for the Chargers. I'm not used to seeing you with such an early pick. Um, so what do you like pick? six and then i think you got 37 um as well in the second round so some fairly early picks uh how do you feel about the charges going into the draft um i personally would i, I mean I'm, I'm optimistic as always i think we've always got a, a solid squad well over the last sort of i don't know decade or so i felt like we've had reasonably decent squads but i think there have been various reasons as to why I think we've failed. And I think uh, the offensive line, I think, has been a big issue for us over the past, I don't know how long it's been. We've really never really fixed it. And I think Rivers suffered a lot as a result. And I think I personally would have rather kept hold of Rivers. Um, obviously, he's he's gone now and we've got Tyrod. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a tough one. I, I, I think we've... We've got a chance, but I think if we don't get a good quarterback, we're going to struggle. I think Tyrod's not the answer. Yeah, and I raised that on one of our previous episodes, uh, saying I think you've got a really talented core of receivers and receiving backs um, as well. And it could be that by keeping Tyrod, you may be blowing an opportunity here. But, um, well, we'll see. So pick six, do you think you... Draft a quarterback? That's what all the um, consensus seems to be. Uh, it seems to be that, yeah, it's Tua or Herbert, everyone's saying, is the big thing. Um, I actually, personally, and this is quite um, probably quite far-fetched, but I'd love to see us draft Simmons. I just think Simmons, James, Bosa, Ingram, Haywards, you know, that, that D would be pretty, pretty nice. Um but we'll see. I don't think it's going to happen. It's probably going to be a quarterback or a tackle, I'd say. Yeah, and um, do you see Simmons making it past uh, the Lions or the Giants? I mean, Lions, they're going O-line, but the Giants, perhaps. The Giants oh, love taking linemen. I, I yeah. don't know whether they'll... I don't know. I mean, it, it may get past. He may get past them. I mean, you're right. I think he's probably a top three talent, in the, I'd say, overall. But quarter, people might trade up for quarterbacks. Who knows? He may he may fall. So here's the question then. Do you think you'll trade up to go ahead of Miami? I think it's a possibility. 
I I don't unless they really love a quarterback. Tom Telesco doesn't really like trading uh, up and down, especially in the first round. It's rare for him to um, to trade picks, and I don't know unless they really love a quarterback. If they really love Tua or they really love Herbert, they might trade up. I personally don't see. I, I see them waiting. I think they they probably won't. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so, yet quite a active um, off season. I mean, I know you signed uh, Chris Harris, which kind of hurts to see him leave the Broncos for the Chargers. How do you generally feel about free agency for the Chargers? Um, I think we've had a solid free agency. I I think we had our biggest needs were quarterback. Uh, defensive line, offensive line, I'd say. And we've addressed the offensive line. I mean, we got Brulaga and traded away uh, Okung for Trey Turner, which I thought was a really good trade. Um, and we also got signed Joseph on the D-line, Limbaugh Joseph. And yeah, I think I think we did quite well on that. We, we did lose, uh, obviously, Rivers. So, I mean, the quarterback situation hasn't been sorted out I think that's hopefully through the draft. I could see them potentially sticking with Tyrod as well. I think he he is slightly underrated. I think he did all right at Buffalo and he's reunited with his old coach. So I think he could do quite well. Um, But yeah, I think think we've had a solid free agency. Probably not as good as the Broncos, but I'm happy with it. Any chance to take Cam? I don't see them taking Cam. Maybe maybe they might hold out a little bit. And if his price drops far enough when he's desperate, they might give him a shot. But I, I, I think Cam might be, might be done. Bold words. And then you did also lose uh, Melvin Gordon uh, to agency. So do you think you uh, draft a running back? Is there anyone... A free agent worth potentially targeting still? Um, I think they, I mean, obviously they gave Eckler a new contract as well, which was um, for four years, I think it was. And uh, they really like Eckler. But like like you said, I think we might draft one just because he can't carry the load himself. We have got Justin Jackson, but I think we a late round running back, I can see them, you know, a fourth, fifth rounder or something. Uh, they might take one just to fill out the squad um, yeah. but yeah I, th- I think Gordon was I mean it's quite crazy like what happened with him in terms of the 10 million we I think we offered him 10 million a year and now he signed a contract with you guys for less than that so mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh, we discussed on one of our previous episodes but I think in terms of players holding out running backs are probably the least wise to do that, um, given the wear and tear their body takes. So I think a lot of players will learn from the Gordon, Bell, Gurley situations um, and maybe think twice about holding out in the future. Uh, yeah, agreed. I, I'm hoping, uh, hoping CMC here signs this year with the Panthers for a decent price. Yeah, CMC is going to get well paid. But he's also the... Um, the mainstay in your the whole DNA of the offense world, right? So <laughs> the only guy, pretty much, and he's just really versatile. He's great at everything, isn't he? CMC. 
How much? How much would he get? Do you think if you sign him up, would it be in, you know, a big contract? I guess he'll d- clearly be number one. But I- I'm thinking he might, he might, he might demand what Le'Veon Bell was demanding as a wide receiver and a running back type of uh, position. And I mean, I could, I could see him getting pretty up there, seventeen. I mean, that'd be that's a, that's a well, lot for running. Yeah. What, what's the highest for running back at the moment? Is it? I don't know actually. Must be about fourteen, fifteen, isn't it? Maybe. Yeah. So he's 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 gonna he's gonna require a little bit more than that. And yeah, being being a receiver as well, he make he made he made uh, ask for the highest receiver salary. I don't know. I mean, he definitely <laughs> caught a lot of balls. So. You know, because you've got him in our in our league that you're in, right? right? Yeah, I gave <laughs> you my first rounder to to get him for this year. Uh, right. So, are there, are there any players as a Chargers fan you think might be worth looking out for as a fantasy or a dynasty asset? Anyone people may not have heard of, or you've heard some whisperings about? Um, or, or is that or is that giving away your trade secrets? <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, it's a tough one because I think you've got the. I think. Mike Williams is one that I was really big on last year. I think I drafted him in a few leagues. Um, I think Tyrod, if we don't draft a quarterback, all the receivers, uh, well, I think Mike Williams will take a hit because he's quite a deep threat. I think Allen and Henry, our tight ends and, and sort of possession receiver, will do well with Tyrod under centre. But I think receivers won't like deep receivers won't do too well so Mike Williams I think I think his value takes a hit if we carry on with Tyrod. Um, so do you think we need another receiver then maybe a perimeter receiver? Yeah I, I think I think so. I think we might need to draft one. I think a quick a quick sort of slot maybe a slot receiver even. I know Allen plays all over this place he can play in the slot and so on but I do think we do need another receiver. We lost Travis Benjamin I think um yeah, so I think I think we do need another receiver. I think running back as well. Like you said, we need to draft one more as well. I think we need a running back and a receiver. What yeah, do you like no. about Jackson's uh, hopes? I, I, I think Jackson back. did well in the few uh, sort of snaps he had last year. I mean, he obviously started off with a few more snaps when Gordon was holding out, and I liked what I saw. I don't know enough about him, and I don't know how he's going to hold up this year, so I, I don't think we can rely on him. Hmm. Yeah, he didn't get he didn't get a tremendous amount of play, but he performed well when he was playing, right? He's yeah, a... I, I did. I did like what I saw about him, but like I said, I think he needs to have a bit more a bit more game time so we can truly know what we've got. Fantastic. Well, um, I'm sure as a as a fan with an early pick, you're probably quite excited about the draft and seeing the moves you make. Um, I know I was when Broncos had early picks in the last few years after we lost Peyton Manning. <laughs> so, um, you know, Imran, I just want to say thanks for joining. Thanks for your insights on the charges. And no good luck in the draft. I can't say this ge- uh, genuinely, but begrudgingly good luck for the season as well. Thanks so much. I think, uh, I think we're going to have our work cut out catching the Chiefs, I think. The rest of us so 
Yeah, we just had a the Chiefs representative on, and uh, she actually works for the Chiefs, so it was uh, quite quite nauseating in a way hearing about the Super Bowl and the open top bus parade and all the oh, success wow. and all that. I, I know I sound so bitter right now, probably because I am. <laughs> <laughs> At least you guys have won a Super Bowl. I mean, we're still waiting, so that is true. No one but... can criticize you for being a glory hunter, though. <laughs> no, that's true. That is true. So. I think it's going to be a long wait, sadly. I think, uh, I guess you never know. That's what I love about the NFL is year to year, you never know what's going to happen. Pretty, you can be pretty sure the Chargers aren't going to win this year, though. <laughs> I, I am I'm pretty sure about that. That's, yeah, that's certain. You're not. I think, okay. they've got, I think they've got a solid foundation. If they nail the draft and get yeah. their quarterback of the future, there's definitely... Um, Definitely promise. I mean, with Justin Herbert, he was touted to be the 101 last year if he went in the draft. And then he decided to stay in college and then Kyler went 101. But, uh, you know, if it is Herbert or even if it's Tua, um, could be quite an exciting quarterback. So, um, as you say, never say never in the NFL. Yeah, that's true. I think we'll be looking a few years down the line, I think, for it to sort of... uh, for it to sort of come to fruition hopefully (laughs) no just once again Imran appreciate you coming on and giving your insights uh, great insights from Chargers fan and we'd we'd love to have you on during the season to give your thoughts as well thanks that'd be great thanks for having me again no worries take care thanks Okay, next up then in the AFC West, um, we have the Raiders. And representing the Raiders, we have James, or as our friends often call him, Simo. So how are you doing, Simo? I'm very well, thanks. I'm here, and thanks for having me on the podcast. No worries. Appreciate you coming on and uh, representing your beloved Raiders. Um, So I think we do have to add that we've lost Chigs for this part. So this, this bit doesn't come to you with thanks to Natasha, although I think that's more on Chigs than Natasha. (laughs) Um, So we are here to talk about the Raiders um, and James, you know, we've had very good uh, football chats uh, over a few beers um, in London. So um, can you tell the listeners how you got to supporting the Raiders, how they became your team? Sure. So around four years ago, my brother moved to the San Francisco Bay Area. He relocated from London and um, in that time I visited him. Um, multiple times and when we go we've uh, been to a few Raiders games here and in London and I've been a big fan uh, really since um, I started going over to visit my brother and they've been very much my team and my passion and interest has grown ever since. Okay interesting so you've you've actually got to witness then the Gruden project how are you feeling about what he's done so far and, and where you are sort of today? Um, <clears throat> I think um Obviously, when Gruden came in, he kicked off a big rebuild in his first off-season. Um, it was the kill or map trade, and um, then after that, Amari Cooper. So we built up a lot of draft capital, and there was a definite sense from Raiders fans that the rebuild and the length of contract Gruden had been given, the team was being set up to win and be competitive in Vegas. And there's been a lot of salary and draft capital in that time. There were when this draft concludes, it would have been five first-round picks over two years. And th- there was, obviously, a definite sense of progress last year, and we hope to be better um, going into this season. 
I would definitely whole Antonio Brown scenario last year um, did, um, I think, set things back a bit. I think there was a lot of moves made last off-season to get a final answer on is Derek Carr the man going forward. And I think, obviously, with Antonio Brown happening on the eve of the season and other issues at wide receiver, there was potentially just some other mitigating circumstances for Derek, which he's had a few of, in fairness to him, um, over the last few years. Yeah, and it's very interesting because, I mean, I'm a car owner in one of the dynasty leagues that uh, me, Paul and Mo are in, and, and Jigs as well, in fact. But, Mo, what's your thoughts on Derek Carr? Because, uh, you know, we will touch on it. They've got in Marcus Mariota to back him up. But what's your thoughts on him as a QB? Oh, man, I, I loved him before his injury. Um, now, I, I, you know... I, I... I, I don't think he's given the proper opportunity to succeed at the moment. And I think the whole, uh, as, you, as you mentioned, Simone's mentioned there, um, uh, the the whole Antonio Brown situation um, just threw a wrench, a monkey wrench in the whole scheme that they had set up last year. So, I mean, I, I think the, I think, I think the, the judgment's out on him right at the moment. I'm, I'm not sure how he's going to do. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd completely agree. And I do go up and down on him. I think if you look at, um, his stats, they aren't as bad as sometimes people make out um, on Derek. He's been subject to more than one rebuild. He's had um, issues around him in terms of some of the pass protection he got. And I do think last year, a lot of it was set up for him uh, to give the final run out and see, is he the guy moving forward? Um, but as I said, I think he's, he's still there. I still think he's got a very good chance of being started day one, but obviously he's and they said bringing Mariotta in, there is going to be enhanced competition there and still big question marks um, as to whether he's going to be the guy at the centre of uh, Gruden's um, Gruden Mayock's regime. Yeah, as you said, it's hard to judge having lost such an alpha receiver like Antonio Brown. Um, I mean, as a Broncos fan, I don't tend to sympathise with what happens with the Raiders, but <laughs> as, as a football fan, uh, I just thought that was you know, despicable sort of his actions. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I don't sympathise with what he's going through. I mean, I do think he's suffering with CTE, so I hope he gets the help that he requires. But in terms of what he did, you know, to your team, uh, I, I think that was very much lacking in class and uh, can't really support anything that he that he did. But, uh, anyway, you know, so you've had quite an active free agency then this year, a, a very... Um, definite need i suppose uh or pursuit of linebackers so we'll talk through some of the big ones but you went for Corey littleton um you know he's come in from the rams and uh as part of the rams you could say rebuild uh nasib as well from tampa bay who can be a defensive end also can play linebacker and then the guy from chicago is it kwatkowski i hope Thanks. i'm not butchered his name so it seems like um, you've gone heavy on that sort of a uh, linebacker type uh, position then in free agency yeah and I think um, last season I think it was because there were holes all over the defence I think in all three phases uh, really and it was going to be a big focus of free agency they took a swing at quite a few big targets I think they were delighted to land Corey Littleton they had um, Montez Burfett there at the start of last season um, as probably the profile linebacker he got a 12-game suspension, the Fuchs in for a hit in the Colts game. So 
that was, um, I think, some of the stats at linebacker really aren't pretty for the Raiders in terms of number of plays uh, that were made last season. So there was definitely, tar- there was, I think, they were definitely delighted to get him. They took a few swings um, at cornerback also, um, which um, Baron Jones and others, which didn't come off. They had Eli Apple landed. I don't know if it was then maybe a bit of buyer's remorse, but they uh, that deal fell through at a later date. And then they did add uh, depth on the D line. They Got Carl Nassib in from Tampa Bay, uh, Malik Collins um, in from the Cowboys, and also the uh, from the Bears, Nick uh, Kwiatkowski came in as well. I've got a Bears fan who talks quite highly of him, so I think there was there's definitely a few additions there on defense defense that they'll feel good about. Uh, there's still a few holes outstanding that maybe what's out in the draft, and there's also some younger. Guys on defense like um, Clinton Farrell, who they took number four last year, um, overall, who's shown some flashes, but we'd hope to get a bit more from him. Uh, Max Crosby had an excellent rookie season, um, uh, defensive end, and Jonathan Abram was another first round pick who uh, was injured after the first week against the Broncos. So we hope he'll come back and make an impact, as well as Trayvon Mullin, the guy we got from Clemson in the second round last year. So there's young piece of, on defence and some younger and some obviously some additions in free agency. So hopefully it'll be a much improved defence as there was a lot of gaps there last year. Yeah, it's a very good analysis. Appreciate that breakdown. So then the other big free agency move was, of course, uh, bringing in Mariota. Um, yeah. And him up to a two-year deal. So we did, we did touch on it. What's your views about your QB situation? Who do you think starts and who do you think ends the season that's where I'm more intrigued in yeah no it's a good question um it'll be very interesting I think there's um I always say like Gruden historically in his first coaching stints did have quite a habit of turning over um quarterbacks um I think he does like his reclamation projects so um I think he'll Definitely want to give every chance of running out Mariota and seeing what he can bring to the team, um, especially if results early results don't go well. I think the fact that the off season is likely to be curtailed because of the global pandemic, I think it'll mean Derek's got more of a chance of being the day one starter. But I think they'll definitely, as Mariota learns scheme and plays his way in, I think they will. Um, he'll definitely be an option they'll be more willing to use than some of the backups they had last year. And the other thing to watch as well, there is, among some of the people who um, track the Raiders, um, the different writers and what have you, there is a belief that in the draft, there's a couple of guys who, maybe not at the top end of the draft, but in the mid-rounds, the, the Raiders have, have worked out, that um, could also be quite tempting, like the likes of Jalen Hurts and a couple of others. Uh, so they might not be done that, done yet at QB. Yeah, because you've still also got, was it Nate Peterman? You've still got Deshaun Kaiser around. So you've technically got four QBs at the moment, all all with uh, What was that, Paul? If you count Nate as a QB. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's Mike Glennon. Gruden likes him. He Uh, he does, yeah. Yeah, I think we saw from um, Hard Knocks last year, you know, Gruden really tried to encourage Peterman to... um, play to his standard and i think he's got a liking for him so maybe he's the casualty here who knows he'll probably go end up being a third stringer somewhere else but uh, there, there is quite a lot of qbs in the room already so 
Next up, then, you know, we'll we'll talk about the draft. You did touch on it. You've still got draft capital from some of the moves you made um, last year. So looking at your draft picks, you've got uh, the pick 12. You've also got the pick 19 this year. And then you've got three thirds. I don't think you've got a second, but, you know, three thirds. So you've got quite a lot of draft capital in the first sort of three rounds. What, what do you think uh, your priority needs are? How do you think the Raiders are going to tackle this? Sure. So I think with that top pick, the number 12, I think it's in almost all likelihood, I think it's going to go on a wide receiver. Um, so the names that um, I think the Raiders have worked a lot of wide receivers out at the Combine and they've had a few visits come in, but I think like the names like C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs will all be um, very much in consideration. I'll be very surprised if they don't um, for, uh, target one of them if they're still on the board. And I think looking ahead, um, I had a, a brief mock yesterday and I think there's a good chance at least one, probably two of them are still on the board at that point, or you hope. Um, so I think that would definitely be my sense for wide receiver. Obviously, as we discussed earlier, it was an issue last year with AB going AWOL at the start of the season and Terrell Williams also had a lot of in, um, um, issues with his feet during the season so he couldn't get on the field as much as they hoped so I think that's definitely the first pick uh, the first pick for me um, I imagine most of the um, big game changing guys on defence will be off the board by then um, so I think that should have that one in the bag then at 19 I don't know it's, it's interesting looking at the board where you've got a pick at 19 then three in the third I think they'll definitely be open to trading back if a good offer com- comes in uh, but if if they are stuck there at 19, I think um, on the basis they tried for a couple of big cornerbacks in free agency, um, it didn't come off and Eli Apple's deal fell through. I think cornerback is the most likely target uh, they'd go for there at 19. And then beyond that, who knows? Um, I think there's still needs in quite a few parts of defence. There's the O-line, I think, is a bit of a personal worry for me if, that could definitely warrant a mid-round pick. Um, DeAndre Washington was our one of our backup running backs last year. He's gone to the Chiefs, so I think they will look to get someone to take the load off Jacobs, and that could well be in that pick. And as I mentioned before as well, I think um, there are rumours that if someone like Jalen Hurts was there in the third, that they'd look to do that as well. But I think, in short, I think what's most likely is they take the receiver at 12 and they look to try and play, uh, trade back and get some more picks out of pick 19 and or maybe even look to trade up some of the other picks so that order as it stands I'll be surprised if it plays out perfectly that way that we have three in the third as they are now in pick 19 Yeah and we, we touched on this with our friend from the Jets for example that uh, if you look before the Jets it'd be surprising if one of those teams takes receiver unless somebody yeah. Trades up because the Dolphins and Chargers, you'd think, are looking at QB, you know, five and six, if or if they trade up. Panthers now got Robbie Anderson, so I don't think they'd look to draft a receiver. Cardinals have got Nukin, maybe the uh, Jaguars, but they've got a lot of needs at the moment. They're going through a bit of a rebuild. Browns are very uh, loaded at sort of receiver, so it does. I think you know, Jets is the more obvious team to potentially snipe you and if the Jets take somebody like a CD Lamb 
what would your preference be as a Raiders fan? Would you rather have the elite route running ability of a Jerry Judy, or would you rather have the um, downfield, you know, pace of somebody like uh, Henry Ruggs, for example? And then bearing in mind, just after you've got the 49ers at pick 13, they'll probably look to take a receiver, having lost Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, the Broncos at 15, I think, you know, there's a good chance we might target receiver uh, or an offensive tackle there. But I think if you leave it till pick 19, a lot of those receivers could go, potentially. I completely agree. And I think there's even a worry, someone like the Niners, who don't have that many holes, but wide receivers, an obvious one that they could look to trade up. Um at 13, and that probably is the scenario where Raiders end up with uh, maybe only one or, worst case, none of those three uh, top receivers on the board. Uh, but if I was asked if there was a scenario between um, Judy and Ruggs, um, I don't know, in a sense, I get um, Gruden said before he wants to build his own version of the Chiefs, and the comparison I see for Henry Ruggs um, more than anything is Tyree Kill. So I think I would say that's more likely um, than Judy. And also, interesting, I do know apparently Judy's been doing, or I heard somewhere he's been doing some workouts of Antonio Brown, so I don't know how that would work out as a potential <laughs> fit, fit given uh, how it transpired last season. <laughs> Thanks for that. Mo, were you about to add something there? Oh, no, no, I was laughing at that comment. Good old AB <laughs> coming back to haunt you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, who knows? Did uh, so... Go on, let's have it. Paul, do you think AB plays this year? Do you think somebody takes a chance on him? Oh, God. I, after his performance last year, I, just, I don't think so. Actually, I've just... still got him in leagues, in dynasty leagues. I'm not letting him go, but um, I can't. Who, who's going to take that risk if the Patriots couldn't handle it? Yeah, that, then that's the question. He's got so much baggage uh, around him. Um, and even some of the actions on like Instagram and stuff have been quite wild as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be he's, hard to he's track. clearly unmanageable, isn't he? Which is a, a shame for such a talent. But um, yeah. So looking looking ahead to then the fantasy aspect of things, um, you know, we've touched on the QB situation. I think the consensus is Carr is the starter, um, and then that could change. At running back, you've got a great, great young uh, running back in Josh Jacobs, also backed up by. Jalen Richard, who is more of a third down specialist, and Rod Smith, who has a similar sort of um, role. You did mention you think they could draft somebody, which makes sense looking at who else they've got in that room. I think receiver we've touched on, but do you think any of the, you know, a lot of lot of year one receivers don't immediately hit the ground running. It's quite a difficult position to to make that. So do you think out, you know, any of the receivers you've got there at the moment, somebody like a Zay Jones or an Aguilar who you've bought in uh, from the Eagles on free agency, Keelan Doss, anyone we should look out for on the receiving room? Um, I'd say I think they they gave up a fifth round pick on Zay Jones, and I think they would, they do want to. Um, he, he made a minimal impact last year, um, truth be told, I'd say, um, but I think they do still have some hopes for him. I think Hunter Renfro, he um, it maybe took a few weeks to get going, but he finished the season really strongly. He had two hundred yard games um, as in the slot, and I think they're very high on him. And so I think he's someone who will be well. It's, it's probably more like a mid to mid late round picking fantasy terms, but I think he is definitely one to keep an eye on. I think Terrell Williams. We disappointed a few people last year. 
um, as I mentioned, a lot of that was down to um, his feet. He had plantar fasciitis. If he has overcome that, I think there's no reason why he shouldn't feel as good about him as uh, we did at the start of last season. He had a great opener against the Broncos um, and he looked good in pre-season, but he broke down very quickly after that. So I think that's where I stand on the receiver room, but you would expect they do want they would want the guy they pick at 12 or I expect they pick at 12 to come in and make an impact on day one he probably will get a lot of targets um and certainly they would want him to play a big role yeah understood and then at tight end as well Darren Waller was excellent I think took a lot of people by surprise probably won a lot of people championships last year in fantasy yep. uh but then you have also bought in Jason Witten I suppose there's He'll probably steal a few targets, you'd think, particularly in two tight end sets. What's your thoughts on Witten? Yeah, so just going back to Waller, I think I was a lucky recipient when last year. I'd heard some of the buzz uh, from training camp on the Raiders side, and he was a beneficiary of AB. They used him in some in sometimes more as a receiver, and I think he got more targets than he um, than many people expected, and he. Um, Absolutely lived up to that. Um, Foster Moreau also had a decent rookie season as well, so, but I'm not, so, not necessarily someone to watch in fantasy terms. But then in terms of Witten, I, I don't know. It, in all honesty, it was a bit of a surprise um, seeing him come in. And I think it was a fair amount of um, wages put towards him as well. Um, I don't know. I think he's probably getting bought in partly for leadership. He's um, someone I think Gruden... Um, no, uh, has done some broadcasting with before um, and Green talked a lot about his character when he was brought in but it was it was a surprise to be honest um, seeing Jason Whitten come in for me and I think most other Raiders fans Yeah, that's very good insight so uh, Simo, I just want to say really appreciate you coming on and giving your insights uh, I wish I could be genuine about this and say good luck to the Raiders but uh, <laughs> I do look forward to what you're going to do in the draft. It's very intriguing when you have two first first round picks. So, um, you know, again, thanks for the insight. Thanks for joining. And we'd love to have you on during the season to give your views on how things are going as well. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks a lot, guys. And, uh, yeah, really enjoy the podcast and hope you keep going from strength to strength. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, man. Cheers.